Uh, so let me let me pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your holy word uh, that instructs us, that uh, guides us, uh, that reproves us, that disciplines us. And uh, Father, I ask today that uh, you bless not only the reading of your word, but the teaching of your word. And uh, I pray that uh, uh, most importantly, that uh, uh, whatever we say and do in here this morning, and whatever we say and do as we leave here today, that we do it to your glory and your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to read uh, the chapter here so we get some, um, some context before we get into it. And, and uh, uh, you reminded me of something really good uh, uh, that I wanted to just uh, comment on. Um, during the week I was talking to, to some folks and last week also uh, in our family church we were talking about some things and and the, the notion came up about well back in New Testament times or, or back when this was written the culture was this or that or, or, or the other and and I guess I'm okay with that to, to, to an extent but it bothers me also to an extent I just want to talk about that briefly and that's it um, it's, it's, I think it's too easy when we make those statements uh, that we generalize them too much and, 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 and so somehow scripture applies differently today than then and that just can't be uh, as, as I understand scripture it, it, it meant what it meant then and it meant what it means now uh, God does not change he's immutable and his word doesn't change it's immutable so I just wanted to just kind of throw that out there uh, in context to uh, marriage, well, which is one of the things we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I will say that maybe what was different then was people were given in marriage. Uh, in other words, marriages were arranged uh, probably more than they are today. And, uh, and so, uh, so I guess arguments could be made that, you know, Paul maybe was uh, we're talking here about uh, to uh, maybe uh, wives who uh, maybe didn't have a choice who they married or uh, or so on and so forth uh, but that shouldn't change our understanding of this because we have a choice today uh, uh, when, when we marry we, we choose to marry which which to me makes marriage even more important it makes it makes the, the rules for marriage or the commandments regarding marriage and divorce even more important uh, in, in that regard so that's enough about that uh, so let's read uh, starting in uh, chapter 7 verse 1 now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself uh, am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry, to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. 
The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband not uh, divorce his wife, should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of his circumcision. Was anyone at the time, uh, uh, at the time of his call uh, uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, uh, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in a condition which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Then do not be concerned about it. But if you gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when, uh, when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a, and, uh, if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The married man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the, I'm sorry, the uh, unmarried man <laughs> is, <laughs> had that backwards, huh? The unmarried man is anxious uh, about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interest, uh, interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry, it is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined that uh, this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do so well. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. 
A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. All right. A lot of stuff there. Um, a little bit of context here. The, the, the church at Corinth uh, was to maintain views and standards regarding marriage that, uh, <coughs> that were not in sync with culture. And I think that's true today, obviously. I mean, when we look at our culture, when we look at uh, what the world says about marriage, uh, that we do not line up as believers. Uh, not even close. And I think the Corinthians had a problem figuring out which teachings on marriage they were to maintain at all costs and which they were able to modify or compromise on. If you look at verse 1, uh, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, so they wrote Paul a letter. This was, this, these things were on his mind. That's, that's why he's addressing it. Um, I think today the church finds itself in constant conflict with its culture, as I said before, when it comes to issues of marriage and family. The world finds our beliefs foolish uh, on just about everything, but specifically here about marriage and about divorce. Um, and yet, on one hand, I think we as Christians, we want to remain loyal to scriptures revealed to us by God and to obey him. And on the other hand, we don't want to be stricter or harsher than God or what scripture uh, tells us. Uh, so that we're not putting uh, on each other burdens that are too heavy to bear. Uh, on, in chapter 7, I think it lands on, on, on a couple of key aspects of Christian marriage. Uh, I think the Corinthians were tempted to depart uh, from biblical teaching on marriage as, a, uh, as they were being confronted. Again, this is true of our world today. And uh, we need to be diligent to examine Paul's teaching and to compare it to our own outlook uh, uh, regarding uh, these core principles. And I've listed these core principles as follows. Number one, sex within the marriage covenant protects against sexual immorality and infidelity. Number two, marriage is sacred to God. Number three, marriage is a wonderful blessing to be cherished. Number four, children of believers are holy to God and uh, obligated to keep God's covenant. Uh, some applications here before we jump in. Uh, married couples should maintain healthy sexual relationships. At times, uh, marriage might be deemed inadvisable, uh, but barring the circumstances, you know, we should desire and, and, and practice it. Uh, the children of believing parents uh, must come to faith in order uh, to receive the blessing of God's covenant of grace. And then uh, finally, Christians uh, should and must maintain an eternal perspective, and that comes at the end there. All right. So let's go to verse 1. Um, I don't think Paul's taking the position here that uh, celibacy is good for all. Um, he clearly understood that marriage and children were blessings from God. Uh, Genesis 2.18 states it is not good for the man to be alone. And, and I'm sure that, God, uh, that Paul knew that God uh, himself ordained marriage for the uh, betterment of humanity. And uh, you, Anybody can jump in anytime they want. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep going through this. 
uh, verse 2. Um, it reads, Because of the temptation of the sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Um, I think that, you know, I know there's two ways that this gets looked at, but I don't think that Paul's suggesting to initiate marriage uh, so that you can engage in a sexual relationship. I don't think that's what he's really saying here. I, th I think that what he's saying is that uh, married people should continue in a sexual relationship. And it, it's, a, it's, a slight, it's a slight distinction there, but, but I've been around uh, teaching that, that taught the first version of that, and, and I, I think it's a little bit irresponsible uh, uh, if, if we teach with, with that in mind. What would you, how would you interpret verse 9 then? Verse 9? Mm -hmm. So, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Well, let me jump to verse 9 in my notes. <laughs> Let's see what I, no, no, it's okay. Let me see what I said about it. So, in verse 9, so I got verse 8 and 9 together. And it appears that Paul can see the, uh, a hierarchy of, of, of preferences, right? So it's celibacy being the most desirable for the unmarried Corinthians. But the unmarried and widows were to marry if they cannot control themselves sexually. Uh, marriage, it appears, was not an, an advantageous as celibacy, but it was better than burning with passion. Um, you know, Rick, I'm just not sure how to, how to think about that. Um, um, why don't you give me your thoughts on it? Well, I think it's the opposite of your original premise, which is if right. you're struggling, you know, and burning sexually, you should have an outlet for it because that's not a sin. It's just a sin in, in the wrong circumstance. Yeah, yeah. And I don't disagree with that. I, I, I think the point I'm making is just that... Um, I think, well, but it's, if sex is um, kind of like the only reason for someone to marry, I think that would be kind of sad, don't know. Like if you just want to get married and then you can have sex, the end. And I, I think marriage is more than just yes. yeah. that sexual part. Yeah. Although but, I don't know how that fits in. Yeah, yeah, that, that obviously would not be a good reason if that's the only reason, no. right? But if you're also going to get married just because you feel like you love somebody, that's not necessarily a good reason either because as soon as you stop feeling like you love somebody, you're going right. to leave them. Right, right. so maybe so. that feeling of like, I want to have sex and the feeling of like, oh, I love you right now. Like, I think it needs to be more like, yeah. what is marriage about? Like, what are we doing? What are we going to do as we get married? Like, I think between a husband and wife that is, or the ones that are going to honor Christ, they're going to honor Christ in, in the whole process, right? Yeah. You can talk about Ephesians. Yeah. Huh? You can talk about Ephesians. No. Okay, let me just jump there and get. Yeah. Okay. So Ephesians 5 25 31, husbands are instructed to love their wives. This is not just any kind of love. They are to love their wives with the love of Christ and the church. And then, somewhere down here, the other verses. Anyway, it says someplace else in Ephesians. Um, so let's just stick with that. The idea is, just like Monica was saying, yes, there's more to it. Mm -hmm. and, but Paul's addressing this one issue right now, 
and and he does address later on in Ephesians the idea of what's what's the husband's role? He's to first put his family, his wife first before himself, just as Christ did for his church. And it's that relationship, marriage is that we, we talk about we're gonna talk about it on Wednesday night at the Bible study, but marriage is that relationship that gives us that ideal of um, um, being Christ, one of the reasons there's many reasons God put it in fact, but marriage is a, a representation of the relationship of the church in Christ. In Christ. So here we have one aspect of, 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 of marriage, and that marriage, he's talking about sex, and that's what he's focusing on now. He's not discounting her. But in two, in two, I mean, it's clearly saying, because Paul comes back later, I, I wish you guys could be like me. It's a gifting for people who maybe aren't like nine, you know, for those who don't have self-control, Right, those those the struggle. He, he's gifted that some people can do that, and, and it's better that you focus on the Lord than focus on the world, which is what he's saying. So I think that's some people are gifted that way. And yeah, and I and I think <clears throat> I mean if you just take the term self control, and we talk about that for a little bit too. It's 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 you know are we being controlled by our passions? Uh, uh, if so, we have another problem. Then should we not get married or not? Right? Um, uh, I think that uh, uh, if we strive to be more spirit-led, uh, then uh, then we come under God's control, uh, less of our control. So, um, so I just I just don't, I just don't know how to answer that, Rick, uh, and be definitive. You know, but I like what everybody said. Uh, just one more perspective because you brought yeah. it up in the beginning was sure. that a lot of these marriages were arranged and mm -hmm. stuff. So I do think a lot of the, well, I'm going to find a woman that, you know, I love her and she loves me and mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking for in marriage is mm -hmm. not really there. It's more like, you know what? I'm struggling. I don't have to get singles. I want to get married. Papa, can you arrange something for me? <laughs> and then you're married and then you love a woman like Christ loves the church and all that stuff. And yeah. Those things are secondary. Hey, when you've been in church for 50 years like me, uh, 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 you know, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard a, a young man uh, say that uh, uh, he was going to church to find a wife. And, and uh, on the one hand, I guess it's a good thing. I mean, you, you want to find a, a, a believing woman, a, a, you know, that's, uh, uh, that, that you could meet and, and, and marry. But those motives sound kind of <laughs> wrong sometimes you know that's why you're going to church and uh, and and I've seen it firsthand I mean that we, we've had to counsel uh, young guys about that all the time it, it, I mean it just came up ad nauseum so uh, <clears throat> there's a meme I just sent Grady it was uh, a couple guys leaving Bible school it was a Napoleon Dynamite meme if you know that scene where oh. they're, leave, they're being pulled on the bike yeah know? yeah yeah and they're leaving Bible college is the idea. And he's like, that was a waste of $40,000. Couldn't even find a wife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I just sit over here? No, it's okay in case I have to run out. Okay. You're making me nervous. Grady <laughs> responded to that and said there was a lot of his friends that felt that way, that they were really disappointed. They left after four years and didn't have a wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Um. <clears throat> Verses uh, I put three and four together. The husband should not. Uh, the husband should give to his wife 
her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife uh, does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority of his own body, but the wife does. I think a lot of guys forget to read that second part. What, what version are you reading in your Bible? <laughs> this is ESV. Okay. How does yours read? Because mine is NIV and it's, it doesn't say authority. It says the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband, which reads to me differently. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? I think if you look at how it was written in the original language, you will find it's more authoritative it, it, in the same way, right? Like, um, you don't have authority of your own body. This, you know, yeah. It's a two-way street, though. That's yeah. why they're translating it that way. It's like, look, the idea is you're both supposed to lay down your lives for each other. Right. right. So it's not really a fight of, you know, really shouldn't be appealing to authority. Right. But what I heard in White's version is alone. It, you do have authority, but not fully. You know, you also have to share that. That's that how I read that. Is that kind of how you read that? I didn't think of authority at all. Well, not authority, but, the, but neither neither has either. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. I mean, that's alone. what marriage is. It's a sharing. It's not either person better than the other. Yeah, so the, the authority in the ESV does lend to that, like, almost um, uh, ju uh, judicial kind of authority or, a, like, Control. legal authority. Yeah. You don't have authority over your body, whereas the NIV, like, it tends to be more uh, gentle, in a sense. <laughs> but, I, I again, I don't know the original language so if the translation just is a if so, it is more authoritarian or authoritative as Rick pointed out then well bottom line is why are you not gonna if the husband wants or the wife wants why would you not give it to him are you are you in prayer or something is that your excuse <laughs> otherwise you're just right fine you, you you have your right but then you're not submitting to God God says don't keep yourself from each other except for prayer I mean you can listen to your wife you know she's not one or something you have to. But I do, I do think that is that's what scripture says in a wife that is authoritative and I think I think God is going to be much more gracious to her because she says, you know, that's what we want to do is bottom lead on my life and, and so and for God by doing what scripture says and the husband's gonna answer to God for not listening to me. Yeah. This isn't like we're looking at it and saying, you know, what did kids say you're not the boss of me? <laughs> right, it's, it, it, we're not looking at it like that. We're 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 actually looking. If you think about it like this, um, uh, true uh, uh, Christ-like love, Christian love, is sacrificial, and it's not self-serving. And so uh, that should be our attitude towards our wives, and our wives that, that should be their attitude towards their husbands. Right, uh, just. To add to this, I put marriage uh, protects against the temptations of immorality only when it functions properly. <laughs> uh, for this reason, Paul speaks ex explicitly about the marital duty that enjoins couples. Scripture speaks of sexual relations as a privilege and a blessing. Let's go to Proverbs 5, 18 and 19, and if somebody could read that. And then someone else grabbed song for... 
9 through 16. Proverbs 5, what? 18 and 19. How long was Did you say song? Song. Song of Solomon. Oh, song? Yeah. How long was that? 4, 9 through 16. We hardly ever read these out loud. I have them. <laughs> Proverbs. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Yeah. So, and then Psalm 4, 9 through 16, somebody would like to read that? Song? There's no no? song. Did I write it down wrong? You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your oil than new spice. Your lips drip nectar, my bride, honey and milk from your tongue. Fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of your The garden walk is my sister and my bride. A spring walk, a fountain field. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranate and all choices fruits. Henna with nard. Nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon. The fall trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloe. With all choice Yeah, so here's a picture of just, you know, how we should think of our uh, wives or husbands. Right? Uh, I think if I talk to my wife every day like that, my, my marriage might be even better. <laughs> or she'd think I'm crazy. Uh, so the bottom line, married couples, they, they, they have a duty not to refrain from sexual relations without just cause. I think we could say that. Uh, and it appears that, uh, you know, this church was in crisis, that the Corinthians maybe were defrauding each other of, of their sexual rights. Uh, uh, neither partner has the right uh, without good cause to refuse the other. So let's go to five and six. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time uh, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So here's, I guess, one reason to refrain is, you know, you take a time to, you know, go to prayer, go to fasting, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, devote that time that you would be devoting to each other uh, to God. And then... Uh, what if your wife says she's praying without ceasing? <laughs> 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 well, I'll answer that one. <laughs> we pray without ceasing regularly because we have the Holy Spirit in us. So we're always praying, but maybe that is Thank you for getting me out of that one. Uh, I, I'm not even going to say anything more about that. All right, uh, verse 7. 
I wish that all were as myself uh, am, but each has his own gift from God, one of the one of one kind and one of another. So, you know, Paul was single at this at this point, uh, but he had to have been married at some point because he was a rabbi, and that was a requirement uh, uh, for that position to be married. Scripture doesn't tell us uh, anything about his wife. Uh, you know, did she die or did she leave him because, you know, because, uh, uh, because uh, he became a, a follower of Christ? It, it just doesn't say. Um, and so I think it would be uh, probably not a good idea to interject uh, that on him. Uh, but, he, but, he's, but he's just basically saying he's single, right? <clears throat> and he wishes, you know, that others were as well. And uh, he'll, he'll go on a little bit uh, in a while here to, to talk about why uh, that might be good for some. But what happened to be fruitful and multiply? Well, maybe maybe God was done with him doing that, right? Well, I'd never heard before. That's the first I'd ever heard that Paul was married. Yeah. Well, I I I, I just I'm just saying from, from what I know about he was uh, a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Yeah. They had to be married. That, that was that was that was a rule. And he says he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees, so he was a Pharisee. Yeah. Well, you know, that's extra biblical thing that Pharisees were married. I, I, you know, I think yeah. that'll tell you. If, you know, outside the Bible will tell you that they were married. Right. The other thing is, it's likely Paul's wife was in that kind of mentality of being a Pharisee, and when he became a Christian, was right. I just possibly she didn't want nothing to do with him. Yeah, she probably started praying without ceasing. Yeah. <laughs> it was her work. Now that may have been common in other cultures at that time, like in Rome or, or somewhere like that. Utah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Salt Lake. But I don't think Paul went there on a missionary thing. Doesn't say so anyway. Yeah. Uh, now, I, what, what I think what he's stating here is that again, uh, to be married is a gift from God. So in other words, God's going to bless one person with the call to be single, another he calls to marry. It's a blessing either way. Right? It's a gift either way. Right? And I wrote down some notes on marriage here. And 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 because it just got me thinking about marriage. It got me thinking about my marriage. It got me thinking about, you know, some folks that that that, uh, that we know that are married and and um, you know, so the Bible stresses uh, I believe that a marriage should be a reflection of Christ's love for his people. Uh, that, that should be evident uh, in the marriage of believers. Um, marriage is a holy bond. Um, it permits two people uh, to help each other, you know, work out their, their spiritual destinies, you know, together. That's kind of cool, All right? Uh, God declared marriage to be good. You can probably just say that and stop, right? Uh, marriage. And, and this is for young folks, I think, need to hear this. Marriage is the most serious long-term contract a couple uh, can make with their lifetime or will make with their lifetime. 
you know, we, we, we jokingly say, you know, buying a house is the biggest you know, commitment you'll ever make. No, getting married is the biggest commitment you'll ever make. Uh, unfortunately, many have entered into this contract uh, with a lack of maturity and knowledge. And this is why we, we see so many divorces, right? Uh, only a Bible-based or, or scripture-based approach to marriage uh, can over, even begin to overcome this problem, right? Uh, nothing brings more joy than a good marriage, right? And nothing brings more misery than a bad marriage. And, uh, and, that, and for that reason, this is why a, a, a perfect marriage would be this, in, in, in my estimation, it's uniting three persons. We talk about two being united. It's uniting three persons. It's uniting a man and a woman and God. Marriage requires self-sacrifice. Uh, when a husband and wife are concerned only about their own individual desires, now the stage is really set for conflict. And finally, marriage is not man's invention, it's God's. Uh, and, and if you, and you look back, you know, we just started Genesis about five weeks ago or so. Satan's first appearance in the Bible included an attack on marriage. He tried to divide Adam and Eve. His tactics today haven't changed, right? He wants our marriages to flounder. He wants our marriages to fail uh, because he, I think he's aware that few things would discourage us more, right? Uh, but when we allow God to rule in our marriage, and th there's the authority, actually, you know, uh, God's authoritative rule in our lives, uh, by ruling in our lives, we can know that the blessing of marriage, uh, we can know the blessing of marriage that God intends for us. So that's just my thoughts on marriage. Let's go to eight and nine. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot, oh, we already covered that, I guess. Uh, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So I think we talked about that, uh, With unless somebody wants to add any more to that. I have a question. Yeah. The widow. Mm -hmm. now, so it's, it's biblically allowable for a widow to remarry, correct, right? Mm -hmm. So what Paul is saying, to remain unmarried, is that, do you have any insight on, on that? No, I, I think that, I, I think what, it's, again, when you're married, you know, your focus changes. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, I mean, it, it just, it's going to. You're gonna you're gonna think about you're gonna be worried about your wife, your kids. I mean, all 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 these things, right? And 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 so your focus can become less on God. I'm not saying it would. I'm just saying it could, uh, uh, because you have things that are all of a sudden very important uh, right there in front of you day to day, right? Uh, so I, I think all. And I think it's really all Paul is saying. It's it's it. Sure, a widow can can remarry. There's actually right? some old verses, and I don't know where they are, that talk about the young widows that they should get married because they're going around and not the house and they have to busy lives. So yeah. Recommended to get married. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's definite advantages to being married, right? Uh, I think I think in those times, you know, being a widow was pretty tough. Um, you know, they weren't as, you know, taken care of as, as, as maybe they might be today. 
right? And, and shame on them for that. And shame on us today if, if that's how it is, right? Um, so, does that answer your question? Okay. Let's go to uh, 10, and 16, 10 through 16. I, I put all that together. To the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. For the rest I say, I, not the Lord. Did you catch how that's flipped? Uh, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So he starts out here by addressing divorce between two believers. And then he introduces his command with a notation that Jesus himself authorized this, this viewpoint. And as an apostle, Paul had the responsibility to establish moral guidelines for the church. So here he didn't need to appeal to Jesus, not I, but the Lord, but he did so to give, I think, his words extra weight. But let's go to Jesus' teaching. Let's go to Mark 10, uh, 11 through 12. Okay. And it says, and he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Right. Okay. So it was common in the first part based on what you just read, but I think, and, and we all knew that, that, that scriptures God breathed, right? Mm -hmm. And at the time Paul is writing this, I think he's, you know, we know that God says this. That's why he's saying this is not I, but God says this. Mm -hmm. And then as he's writing, this is how I believe mm -hmm. my heart. And I think that's what the caveat is. I say not the Lord, but because the Lord had said, you can, you know, don't divorce. And, mm -hmm. and so, and he's given that cap. Not that he knows that what I'm writing is going to be scripture. I think that's the, the difference. Yeah. So he's not disagreeing. And he's not negating anything that, you know, Jesus said. Um, uh, but it's, Jesus is pretty clear here, right? It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to read into this any other way, <laughs> right? And then if we go to Matthew 19.9. Jesus says again, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another 
commits adultery. So this is Jesus' only reason for divorce, for allowing divorce. Right? If, if, the, if the husband or the wife uh, committed adultery. Right. Any comments there? Okay. Do you think um, when I see that verses we just read in Matthew to the men, to the men he can't divorce his wife? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I look at Paul here and, and he's clarifying that this is the Lord's teaching, he doesn't give the excuse of, of adultery there. And I don't know. I'm not trying to undo that, but I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if. Um, because I see two options for that, and it's clear it's to the wife. A wife is not to leave her husband, but if she leaves, she must remain unmarried or be reconciled. Yes. And it's not like, unless he committed sexual immorality. Now, I'm not trying to protect that at all. That's not my motive. When right. I say that, I'm saying, I wonder if there's a separate nuance for a woman. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. My, my, my heart wants to say probably not. Um, but I, I would have to, you know, get the whole council of scripture on that before I could, you know, make a definitive, you know, comment on that. But, but my heart wants to say it, it's it's the same both ways, right? This marriage is created between two of them as one. Right. One main reason for it to be different. Well, I mean, I don't think in the Matthew thing the wife could give divorce papers to her husband, so it's not the same. Well, I understand that, but under with what Christ has set up as for marriage and instituted as a representation of the church in Christ. It doesn't seem like there's any reason to have anything different for women. Do you see it? Well, other than that, I would I could just say that. <laughs> but I mean, so, I'm just trying to, to sit under the screen. I think, she, you know, I'm not saying she shouldn't leave. Right. Man's adultery, but I think she has two options. To remain unmarried or the husband repents and comes back to her. Yeah, you know, looking back at my notes here, I, I guess I did. Make, I, I guess I did say something. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, well, first of all, I, I put down here that the words "separate" and "divorce" are synonymous. Um, you know, we don't think about it like that today. We, we talk about when people, uh, when the couple separated. You know, somehow, you know, they can live apart, and 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 we think that oh, they're just you know trying to work it out, or maybe they're not trying to work it out. Maybe they're going to get to work. We don't know. Right? Is it the same word that separate where it says the, the, let, let no man separate? When it talks in the early on, you know, the, the two will become one flesh. And yeah. So I, I think separate and divorce are the same word. You know. Um, but, but then that's, that's just what I think. Now, Jesus made four. Now, here's, here's I think, where, we, where I answered maybe your question, Jesus. I mean, uh, Rick. Jesus made fornication a legitimate grounds for divorce. Paul seems to argue that desertion was also grounds for divorce. So, um, and then I went on to say for Ill- illegitimate divorces, only two options are given, remain unmarried or reconcile. Right? And that's it. But would you say re- reconcile, since you're looking at separation and divorce as mutually exclusive, would you say reconcile means you get remarried? No, I would say reconcile means Put the, the the marriages apart, but you're putting it back together. There, there's been no divorce. Uh, but well, then it doesn't. I don't know. Does it make sense? 
make sense because if you're separated except for reconciliation, you're saying separate is divorce. Right. But then, then are you saying remarrying the same person because that's illegally? Yeah. I don't know that it doesn't make as. I'm trying to follow. I'm sorry. Yeah, and and here's where my problem is with it because there doesn't seem to be any guidance in scripture given uh, if if that if that reconciliation is, is rebuffed. So it's it's kind of out there for me. You know, in, in, in my mind. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to you know, take a stand. Hmm. You know, and, and that bothers me that I can't, but I'm just being honest. Uh, but but I, what I do believe here is that prayer and the guidance of all scripture need to be looked to uh, in, this, in these situations. And, and then along with, uh, you know, probably some good pastoral, pastoral guidance. You know, not, I'm talking about you know, Christian counseling, not uh, outside marriage counselor counseling. You know, it just dawned on me as this conversation start came up, because today it's so different, and I will make this quick and do a quick thought. That's okay. Reconciliation today, because marriage is a legal binding document in the eyes of the humanity today, we have a piece of paper, and we are allowed certain governmental things. So, so the reconciliation or remarrying, like you said, does that mean remarry them? That would, in today's world, I would see, see that seems to be that would be the case, right? If you, if we divorced and then legally separated our and severed our relationship, the the scriptural guidance is to repent and reconcile, right? So I would, visit, or I would legally remarry, but spiritually. It would be just the the bond would be put back together, right? In a sense, like that. So it's so, so hard because we didn't have legal documents that I'm aware of back in when Paul was around, right? They didn't have a, a legal document that you signed and got health insurance because you were married, you know. So it, it really is we. It is a difficult thing to really consider yeah. if you're trying to be. Um, Literal. I think it says the right writer a certificate of divorce. So they had some some written thing. Even in the days of Moses, they, that was that was the they right. were getting yeah. divorces for everything. They were writing certificates of divorce for everything. So, yeah. um, I, I guess in a, I guess if if you just want to look at the big picture, if 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 a, if a Christian couple divorces, <clears throat> and but they are reconciled and they remarry, I. Man, that, that's just that, that. We should celebrate that. We just should celebrate that. that that's that's God's hand in there. Uh, uh, uh. And all of us that have remarried and had divorces, like my husband and I, you know, it doesn't mean to go back and marry our first spouses again. I don't think. Of course, mine wasn't a Christian. That'd be hard to do if you're married to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another whole subject we're not going to talk about today. <laughs> but we can if we want. But, but I, I, I'm definitely not prepared for that. Um, let's go to 12 and 13. All right. Are we doing okay so far? All right. We might. We, we might, unless, unless I finish strong. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, uh, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. 
uh, if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Uh, this is talking to the people who married couples that one came to faith and the other one didn't and they were already married, right? This is like, well, I can't leave because she's not a Christian, right? I can't leave, you know, because he's not a Christian. He's saying you need to, you're sanctified, right? There'd be, you'd be, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, so the first thing he's making clear is that this is, this teaching is not from the Lord. This is from him, right? Uh, but this qualification does not lessen the authority of the teaching because as an apostle, uh, he spoke on behalf of the Lord. Plus, it's the word that we read. Right. That's right. <laughs> right. Verse 37, chapter 14. I mean, you could make a case that he's talking about what he just wrote, but I think it's the whole thing. It says, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And if you go to actually 14, where, where, where would you set? 37. If you go to 14, in the same book, 1437. That's what I just read. Oh, okay. You were going to go to That's why I asked you again, and I still heard it wrong. That's funny. Uh... So, I think in some sense, maybe what what, uh, what, he, what Paul meant was to his knowledge, uh, Jesus had not spoken about marriages between believers and unbelievers during his earthly ministry. Right? And again, that's that's just I'm kind of assuming there. Uh, he is saying here that believers should not divorce their unbelieving spouses uh, if the unbelieving spouses are willing to live with the believing spouses. So then here, I guess you could say uh, that religious differences are not a grounds for divorce. And I think in 14, he justifies this position in two ways. Uh, the unbelieving husband and the unbelieving wife have been sanctified through the believing wife and husband. This means that they are set apart. And I think, Rick, you talked about that last week, about uh, sanctification, right, as being set apart. Right? Uh, that means they're set apart for God's purpose and not uh, that they are redeemed or justified in Christ. So this, this doesn't save the person. Uh, uh, this, this is a different than Christian sanctification. That's right. Holy Spirit sanctification. Yes. And the second position deals with the children uh, uh, who would also be sanctified or made holy. Uh, the children of believers are special in God's eyes even though they are, uh, some of them are not yet redeemed, right? Uh, the term holy derives from the same root as sanctified earlier in this verse. So these children are not necessarily believers, but they are the expected heirs of the covenant relationship uh, which their believing parents enjoy with God. It doesn't mean they're going to be believers. No. Well, is that the way it meant it? Is the hope that they're not turning family? Well, there's, there's no other benefit besides being separated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I hear the good news. There's a 
Where would you rather a child be raised in, uh, an unbelieving home or a believing home? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really all you got to ask, right? Um, well, and God spares, you know, it's like being a Christian at work, you, you got to wonder how many times God doesn't pour out judgment on, like, a school you're at, because there's Christians there. You know what I mean? And so they're being set apart, not because they don't, you know, deserve, but just because there's like a salt, there's salt there, and it's preserving the school because there's Christians there. It's like, will you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? There's... And God's literally protecting you, and because He's protecting you, other people need the benefit. I'm an atheist transphobic, which is my experience to who openly and actively works against my Christianity, saying that when I left, things were going to be different. It wasn't going to be possible in that way. Yeah. And he recognized that. Okay. Any more thoughts on this? So, for some reason, I, I skipped. Um, that, that ended with we just talked about ending with uh, verse 14 right so so let's read 15 but if the unbelieving partner separates let it be so in such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? What does it sound like Paul saying there? He's saying that I could save people. I never knew that before. <laughs> He's saying, yeah, you know, if you're married to an unbeliever, and the unbeliever gives you a certificate of divorce and leaves, you're not bound to them because they've, they've gone through that process. They've left you. You right. can only control what you can control that God's given you. Right, right. I think it also means don't fight. You know, you're trying to, I'm going to restrain you from leaving, you know. Yeah, because it mentions the word peace, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it should be a, uh, um, it, it, it shouldn't just be like a big, harder thing than it has to be, right? It almost sounds like he's justifying divorce, which earlier he's saying you're not supposed to divorce unless well, it's for fornication. Yeah, but that, that person's not the one divorcing. It's the one that's leaving that's divorcing. The unbeliever. The unbeliever. The unbeliever. Yeah. Right? So, um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I was, I was going to give a little personal testimony, but I'm not today. But if anybody wants to talk to me about that later, I can talk to you about that. <laughs> How's that? Or we're halfway through, you can do the next one. Yeah, <laughs> so we only got halfway. <laughs> to you, man. To yeah. your defense, you had twice as much as Grady did, and he took two. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to roll another week, you can. But yeah. no pressure to decide that now. Yeah. No, I think we're going to need to because, oh, because, yeah. because I, I got a glorious finish. So I'm not going to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so why don't we just stop right here? But, but, uh, but I just I just want to add one more time you know, before we leave. Uh, you know, as believers, you know, marriage needs to be precious. It, it, we need to know that it's from God, that it's of God, that it's blessed by God. Um, uh, and and just a little thing to the guys. Uh, and I can't remember where this is in Proverbs. It's, it escapes me. One of, you know, one of you scriptural listeners here might know. Uh, uh, where it talks about uh, 
it's better to be on the roof, the corner of the rooftop of your house than uh, in the home with the contentious wife. I think it goes. Yeah. Is that close? Yeah. All right. And and I used to ask that to, to uh, groups of, of young guys. Uh, uh, what does that mean? And and and, it's, and the response is always they couldn't wait to tell me their response. They're just throwing their hands up, saying, "Well, that means that you know." It's hard to get along with with a wife that, that's just nagging you, right? And, and I would tell these guys, you guys got it all wrong. I, I think that what that's saying is the reason you have to go to that rooftop to the corner is because you're the one causing the wife to nag, right? You're the problem, not her. And 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 I and I and and so to the guys, I would say, don't be the problem. You know, be the blessing. You know, love your wives, and 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 be the uh, be that, that that spiritual head of the household that God appointed you to be, and then you won't be worried about divorce, and you won't be worried about separation, you won't be worried about temptation. You're not going to be worried about anything because God's going to be in charge, and and uh, as you submit to Him. So we'll just finish with that. Right. Could you close this in prayer? Yeah. Sure. Lord, thank you uh, again for the opportunity to gather and to grow closer to you through. Uh, teaching today. Lord, just uh, let it do a work in our hearts and our minds. Lord, let us draw, continue to draw closer to you today and, and the rest of this week. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.